session. Welcome to Sports School. I'm your host, Coach Dwayne, a regular teacher with a sports mind. And so, on today's podcast, got uh, a little bit of everything. Got some NFL, kind, uh, some NFL kind of. We got some XFL, some Canadian Football League. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of NBA. Men's college basketball, of course, got to around this time. It is March Madness. Uh, and then we're going to sprinkle in a little bit of baseball. Find out who I gave detention to. Uh, gave you guys a little bit of homework this time. I'll admit it. It's a little bit of a Homer type of homework assignment. Um, but let's address the first issue. Why is a teacher doing a sports podcast? Well, quite frankly, I can give you an example. Not from the past, from today. Today, I'm teaching a lesson on... World War II, and I'm talking about America, we're finally going to get involved in World War II, and I said America's looking to go over there, our goal when we get over there is to get into France and push Hitler and Germany out so that we can get the French army back at full force, back involved in the war, and I said it's kind of like dodgeball, when you catch the ball, what happens, and the students sitting in front of me, because I now have students sitting in front of me, the students sitting in front of me are looking at me like I am crazy. Like I have no idea what I'm talking about. I asked them. I said, and it's not like, I, there's a large group in there. I had like 12. I said, how many of you have ever played dodgeball? No hands raised. And I said, oh no, it's time for me to change my audience. So I have ventured into sports podcasting. Um, and it's still the same school format, handing out grades, giving a lesson, handing out detention, whole shebang bang so let's hand out these grades to begin getting our a for today yes coach smith in the comments says canadian football and the xfl that's who's getting the a the xfl and the cfl cfl being the canadian football league are in conversation to be in a partnership to work together why does this get an A? Because if you're going to give me more football to watch, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I enjoy, is the XFL and the CFL uh, the same as the NFL? No. I never went into the, whenever I watched them, I never went into it with the mindset that it was going to be the same. But it is football and it is entertaining. So if this means more football, I'm in. I like seeing the different rules in each one. I do. I enjoy it. Um, and these two are, are talking about working together, coming in partnership, maybe not merging, but having some cross-league type of games. So, um, and it's not like there's no talent in these two leagues. Last year, um, when the XFL shut down operations due to COVID five weeks into their season, a couple of things that happened. 24 players from the XFL were signed to NFL practice squads. 24 players were signed to NFL practice squads. And then, not only that, 11 players signed to NFL contracts. So, that's... 35 players who got an opportunity in the NFL. They got talked about, looked at. Um, opportunities they would not have gotten had the NFL 
or the XFL not had a season. So that's 35 total players. Then you had 10 players from the XFL that were signed to the Canadian Football League when at the end of their season just for the Canadian Football League to be shut down due to COVID as well. So there is talent in the XFL. P.J. Walker started a game for the Carolina Panthers after being signed out of the XFL and played in multiple games for the Carolina Panthers. So there's talent in the XFL last year, this year, and more on and more on. So not only that, there have been some Canadian Football League players of notoriety that have played in the NFL. Warren Moon probably being the biggest. But there are some other names that played in the CFL that went on to play in the NFL. Joe Horn, who as a New Orleans Saint was a thorn in my side as a fan of the Atlanta Falcons. He played in the CFL. So, uh, you go on even further than that. Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann, who really is kind of known for that disgusting leg injury. He plays in the CFL before coming over to the NFL. Doug Flutie. Little guy. Flutie, Flutie Flakes. Big deal, but he played in the CFL. Uh, Cameron Wake. Cameron Wake, recognized as an all-pro pass rusher. He played in the CFL first for two years before getting mass recognition. Um, multiple teams wanted to sign Cameron Wake coming out of the Canadian Football League. Brandon Browner, who played opposite of Richard Sherman in that Legion of Boom Seattle defense, he played in the CFL. That's where he got his recognition. Jeff Garcia, Fred Bolitnikoff, Mike Vanderjack, who statistically is the most accurate kicker in NFL history, he played there. And then the original Dirty Bird, Andre Risen, played in the CFL. So there's talent in these two leagues. The rules are a little different. As long as you go into the watching these sports knowing it is football. Is it NFL football? No. But some of these rules are entertaining. I The main rule that I love about the Canadian Football League is that your wide receivers can go in motion towards the line of scrimmage. And as an offensive-minded coach in football, I love the thought of that. I love the thought of that. Now, would I like it in the NFL? I don't know. I mean, the, the Falcons have some legit wide receivers that if you could just give them running starts, who knows what would happen. But more football? Absolutely. The fact that these two leagues are talking to one another, trying to find a partnership and a way to help each other to give fans more football, that gets an A. I'm all for it. Today, B stands for Blake. Blake Griffin signs with the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets. I almost said New Jersey Nets, kicking it old school. Um, Blake Griffin signs with the New Jersey Nets. Now, this prolongs the NBA's problem of super teams. But for the Nets, I like the signing. Is Blake Griffin what he used to be when he played for the Clippers? No, no, he is not. Is that what the Brooklyn Nets are expecting to get? No, it should not be. What they're getting is a guy who's averaging 12, 
five, and four when he played for the Detroit Pistons and was probably the focus of a lot of defensive schemes. So he's averaging 12, five, and four, has a decent enough three-point shot. In in the games that he played for the Pistons, he's shooting about 35% um, on six six attempts a game. Um, so a decent enough three-point shot to, to where you have to respect it. He should have more space to operate with the Brooklyn Nets. When everyone's healthy, you're looking at a lineup of Harden, Irving, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Blake Griffin. Or, and one of my issues with the Nets is that their bench is awful. Blake Griffin could come off the bench. And now, can Blake Griffin be old school, all-star, Clippers, Blake Griffin for 10 minutes? Can you give me 10 minutes of vintage Blake Griffin? I think he could do that in a 10-minute spurt, long enough to give Durant a break. He can come in off the bench, play alongside DeAndre Jordan, his Lob City teammate. These are all things that are great for the Nets. Now, do I think the Nets can beat the Lakers? No, because I still don't think the Nets can play defense. This does not solve their biggest problem, which is defense. They still need to add another piece. They need to improve their bench. And they need a defensive guy similar to a guy who played with Harden and Durant in Oklahoma City and Andre Roberson. A guy who can come onto the floor, guard the other team's best player, and and you don't need him to score. The Nets don't need another scorer. That's why this doesn't get an A. Because Blake Griffin doesn't solve Brooklyn's biggest problem. Now, it, it adds another threat. Can you get 12, 5, and 4? That's a solid fourth option. That's a solid fourth option, and he's a big man that can pass. So all of these are legit good things. It doesn't solve Brooklyn's biggest need, which is defense, and it doesn't necessarily improve their bench that much. They need to add an Andre Roberson-type player in order for me to consider that now I, I think they have a chance to beat the Lakers. I would pick the Lakers because the Lakers play defense. Now, there's still time. There's still um, the trade deadline hasn't come about. Spencer Didwitty is apparently a coveted piece if a team can convince him to waive his player option. Um, so that's something that the Nets have that they can trade. They signed Iman Shumpert. He was supposed to be that defensive guy. That has not worked out in the slightest bit. But I like the ad. I like the addition. I like Blake Griffin as a fourth option. I like with everyone healthy the way they are able to space the floor. Blake Griffin having the opportunity for 10 to 15 minutes a game. Can he be old school Blake Griffin? I think he can do that. Could he do it across 30 minutes? No, no, he can't. But with this team, with the amount of spacing that he should get, with the attention that the other guys command, this should work out. And this should be big for the Brooklyn Nets. The C for today goes... And this hurts my heart. Those of you that have listened to previous episodes of the podcast goes to Luca Garza and the University of Iowa. And it's a C because of the way it happened. Luca Garza, senior night, finds out the university decides that they are going to retire Luca Garza's 55. He's the all-time leading scorer um, at Iowa. This is no knock against Luca Garza. He definitely deserves it. Uh, He's put up solid numbers. He's played there for four years. He has Iowa as a legit, solid team this year. 
Um, do I think Iowa has a chance to win it all? No, but they're going to be a tough out for whoever eventually knocks them out of the tournament. And that's because Luca Garza is legit. He's, he's, if he won National Player of the Year, no one should be shocked. He deserves to have his jersey retired. The reason this scenario gets a C is because Roy Marble also deserves to have his desert jersey retired, his 23 from the University of Iowa. And Iowa did not do that. Roy Marble and Roy Marble's family found out the night Luca Garza found out the jersey was being retired. Luca Garza breaks Roy Marble's leading scorer record, which, mind you, had been in place for 32 years. 32 years, Roy Marble scored 2,116 points for the University of Iowa. Was the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. All-time leading scorer for 32 years. They don't retire his number. The, the interesting part about this, though, is that his teammate, who's the leading assist man in the, at the University of Iowa, is B.J. Armstrong, and they retired B.J. Armstrong's number. Now, retiring your number in college should not be about your NBA career because Roy Marble, if you blink twice, you missed his NBA career. He was drafted by the Hawks. Uh, in 89, same draft that B.J. Armstrong was drafted by the Bulls, played for a year, and then ended up playing overseas, came back, played five games for the Denver Nuggets. But as far as his college career goes, he was the leading scorer at this school, and you don't retire his number, yet the guy who broke his record, a record that stand for stood for 32 years, including these years where the three-point shot has become much more prevalent than it was 32 years ago. You didn't retire his number, and you didn't talk to the family. That, that's a problem for Iowa. That's something that Iowa needs to understand that that doesn't look good. And when asked about it, they gave a statement. And they said, well, Roy Marble doesn't fit our requirements to have your jersey retired. And then when asked what those requirements were, did not want to further comment. Iowa's athletic director did not. So it looks bad for Iowa. Luca Garza definitely deserves it, but so too does Roy Marble, former points leader at the University of Iowa. The D for today goes to the New York Mets. Now, Again, a lot of you are going to be like, well, he's a Braves fan. That's why he's trying to give a D to the Mets. No, hear me out. Today, in spring training, the Mets practiced. Not practiced hitting, fielding, pitching. No, they took time to practice their World Series celebration. I, I, I like the confidence, but let's acknowledge that the Mets are arguably the third best team in their division. A division that Vegas says is going to have 90 or three 90 win teams. But you took time in spring training today to practice your World Series celebration. You're not even close to the best team in your... It's debatable whether you're the best team in your division, much less if you're the best, if, if you can beat the Dodgers. On top of that, you don't have Syndergaard, who's arguably your be second best pitcher behind DeGrom, till after the All-Star break, at best. And Carlos Carrasco, who was supposed to fill in as your number two starter until Syndergaard comes back, 
he's at risk of not starting the season healthy. And you still need to add another bat to your lineup. Come on, Mets. I know it's been a long time since you've been relevant. But spending a day in spring training to practice your World Series celebration on March 11th, that's a little much. That's a little much. You don't know. This is a long season. You don't know what could happen. I'm not saying that the Mets are going to be a bad team. I'm saying that I, I like your confidence. But absolutely not should you be practicing your World Series celebration in spring training. You get a D because I like your confidence. I'm not mad at your le- your confidence level. You should go into... Every player should go into a season thinking that their team has a chance to win the championship. If not, those coaches are not doing their job. But practicing your, your celebration after you win the championship in the preseason? No. No. Not acceptable. Not okay. RF for today goes to Houston Texans head coach David Culley. And I feel bad because David Culley has been put in a horrible position. Why he took this job, not with the uncertainty surrounding Deshaun Watson, I don't know. But he said in a press conference today, Deshaun Watson is the Houston Texan starting quarterback. This is why they get F. Okay? Let's take the hypothetical trade scenario that Miami has supposedly offered, which was Tua plus two firsts this year, number three and number 18, a first next year, and potentially their second, depending on what you're looking at, which rumor mill you're looking at. That could be your building block quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa. At three, you could even confer with Tua to select one of the three top wide receivers in the draft, two of them being his former teammates. So at three, you could pick between Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and let Tua decide, hey, do you want one of your two teammates? Bring them in. Do what you didn't do with Deshaun Watson. And then at 18, you have the opportunity to build that offensive line that has gotten Deshaun Watson absolutely annihilated throughout his career. Or... And there are some options at 18. Vera Tucker out of USC. Jenkins from Oklahoma State. Mayfield from Michigan. All of these are options that should be on the board at 18. Or, and hear me out, you could trade back, you could trade down with a team that has two seconds. A team that has two seconds that wants to trade back up into the first round, maybe like Jacksonville. And in the second round, you can get more weapons. Rebuild that offense. Get another edge rusher in the second round to replace J.J. Watt, who you just let go. Second round, you can get a running back. One of these running backs, especially if you trade with Jacksonville, you should have the first pick in the second round. You have an option at Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, or one of my favorite guys in this year's draft, Rondell Moore, a running back wide receiver hybrid similar to Curtis Samuel coming out of Ohio State who now plays for the Panthers. You should have a shot at one of those running backs and then you can take an edge rusher or another or an offensive lineman if you trade down from 18. The Houston Texans have a lot of holes to fill. Banking on Deshaun Watson being your starting quarterback is not smart 
from an organizational standpoint. Now, understand there's two types of teams in the NFL, teams that have a quarterback and teams that don't. Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be there. And the longer this plays out, the lower that what you're going to get for him goes. Because I truly and honestly believe Deshaun Watson is going to sit this year out if he is a Houston Texan. And then his the trade value really plummets. Because then he sat out a year. But right now you have the chance to get three firsts and a quarterback on a rookie deal, a quarterback on a rookie deal with the opportunity to fill the multiple holes that the Houston Texans have. Houston gets an F. Houston gets an F because they're not jumping all over this. Because what's about to happen is the closer you get to the draft, Miami may decide, all right, you know what? We're done. We're, we're out of this. And if Chicago goes and trades for Russell Wilson out of Seattle, then what? You're running out of teams that are willing to trade with you. Miami has cap draft capital soon. If you get three firsts out of Miami, two of those are this year, and then there's another one next year, plus potentially a second this year, plus a quarterback on a rookie deal, it's a no-brainer. I, I understand you're trading a general generational quarterback in Deshaun Watson, but as far as value goes, it's only going to decrease the longer the Houston Texans try to play this out. And that is why the Houston Texans get an F. At some point, they have to trade Deshaun Watson because he's going to sit out this year and then his draft value is going to tank. Tank. Our lesson for today is a history lesson, ironically. One year ago today, one year ago today, a couple of things happened. Dr. Fauci was in Congress and warning Congress that the coronavirus was going to get worse and worse and worse. Also, what we were all waiting for, a lot of people were waiting for, was Harvey Weinstein's sentencing. That, one year ago. World Health Organization, one year ago today, officially declared COVID-19 a pandemic. And then it all started to go downhill as far as sports go. As far as sports go, you saw um, golf on March 12th cancel the Players' Championship, one of their majors, and the next three events. You saw the Big Ten and the Big 12 cancel their conference tournaments followed by the ACC and the SEC cancel their conference tournaments and then ultimately March Madness and the NCAA tournament in general canceled one year ago today an NCAA tournament that I was very excited for because when is Dayton ever going to be a legitimate option to win the national championship and San Diego State those were two potential one seeds one year ago today you saw two teams warming up for a basketball game in Oklahoma City and the Utah Jazz. 
And while they're warming up, the refs had to come together when they found out that Rudy Gobert, who a week before was joking about it, had tested positive for the coronavirus. And the floor was cleared. They canceled the game. And as it went along, other games were canceled. Ultimately, the NBA season was canceled. But on a positive note, one year ago today at 10.30, roughly 10.30 Eastern Time, Vince Carter ended his 22-game career, again, due to, had to end it early due to coronavirus, um, with the Atlanta Hawks, his final shot, a three-pointer with 12 seconds to go. But one year ago today, the sports world was turned upside down. We lost March Madness. We lost until the bubble came. NBA basketball. The NFL ultimately looked different. The MLB ultimately looked different. And it's it's crazy to think. As sports fans, we all just kind of took March for granted. And then it March Madness was gone. And, and we all just kind of sat there. And if you're like me and you grew up in the South and you weren't watching the ACC tournament in class... I was kind of, you were just kind of stuck. You were like, well, what do we do? That was built into my lesson plan. But now we're one year later. We we have an ACC tournament. We have a Big Ten tournament, a Big 12 tournament, Pac-12, Pac-10 tournament. All of these tournaments are taking place. There's plans in place to have the NCAA tournament. I'm just happy that it may not be normal, but there is some resemblance of sports especially when you think about to where we were one year ago today, which was a world with no sports. So, fun stuff. I am going to call our special guest for today. She actually knew me in middle school. We've been friends since the sixth grade. A Fittingly, as we talk about Vince Carter... She is a North Carolina graduate, University of North Carolina, huge UNC fan. Her name's Ariel. Ariel, thank you for joining the podcast. How are you today? Well, it's today where you are. It's tonight where I am. Yeah, I'm good. Um, I just finished running some errands. I have to plan my day around LA traffic and the whims of a seven-year-old, so it's always fun doing that. That sounds awful. Um... (laughs) It's not. It can't be as bad as Atlanta traffic. Um, I've never driven in Atlanta traffic, so I cannot confirm or deny that it's worse. Uh, but it takes a little bit of my soul every day. I have to drive through it. I'm gonna. I'm. You know what? My dad's been to L.A. multiple times. I'm gonna ask him. I'm gonna ask him what's worse, L.A. or Atlanta traffic. We're gonna. Okay. We're gonna get to the bottom of this, and I will text you his answer. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, but yes. Yeah, so everyone that's watching on Facebook and listening. Ariel knew me in middle school. Um, I am the exact same person, just taller and have less hair than I was in middle school. Um, I think I consistently talked sports then. I think if you had told people that knew me in middle school that I was going to grow up and start a sports podcast, they all would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, it's, it tracks. It, see? And even then, I was 
a Falcons fan, Braves fan, Georgia Tech fan, Hawks fan. I was a bit, I, I've never changed. Oh, my dad's in the comments. He says LA traffic is atrocious. Dad, which is worse, LA traffic or Atlanta traffic? That's the debate. That's what we're all like waiting for your answer. <laughs> anyway, so let's get it. Let, so you started here in North Carolina. Let first question before we get into the sports part: East Coast versus West Coast. What's the biggest difference, and which one is better? Um, SoCal. I'm in LA. SoCal has better weather all all year round. Um, I have to say, I do miss Southern food, though. LA is too health conscious to have a good Southern food place. So soul food is the best. Soul food soul is better. Food. Yes, absolutely. I agree 100%. All right. So the reason I have you on the podcast is to talk college basketball. You're a big college basketball fan. Um, yes. So let's talk about it. This looks like it's going to be the first year since the 70s that Duke and Kentucky, and again, take your bias out of this answer, are both <laughs> going to miss the tournament. So why do you think we've seen all the blue bloods, quote unquote, of college basketball struggle this year? I mean, we saw Kansas struggle. Carolina struggled at one point in the season. Duke's going to miss it, it looks like, especially now that they have to drop out of the ACC tournament. No Kentucky. What happened to the Blue Bloods this year? Um, well, part of it is, well, Duke and Kentucky are known for, like, having their one and done, which usually works out. But due to COVID, no one got to do summer practices. So team chemistry and figuring out how to play together was cut short. I do not take full credit for that opinion. I credit a lot of that to Jay Billis. But... <laughs> That's fair. He was right. Yeah. Well, no, for Kentucky, that was definitely right. Kentucky had literally just one player returned from their team last year. That includes walk-ons and everything. One. One player returned. Yeah. So, as far as Duke goes, I don't know. They were just terrible. Absolutely yeah, atrocious. Well, what's his face? Hunt? Decided to leave, but they, like, started playing better. So, there's that. So, that was a team chemistry issue. Well, Jalen Johnson left, and they, yes, Duke did get better when Jalen Johnson left, but they still didn't look good. I mean, Carolina beat the brakes off of them in their second matchup. It was glorious. Again, you're biased, so that's. But my sister would say the same thing. Um, so let me ask you this: as a Carolina fan, let's talk. We're talking blue bloods. Carolina looks like they're going to make the tournament, uh, according to Joe Lenardi's bracket. Uh, they will be a nine seed facing eight seed Loyola Chicago. So if you had told me at the beginning of the year that's how that was going to play out, I would have said you were crazy. But what's Carolina's biggest issue right now going into this year's NCAA tournament? Consistency. When we're playing well, as we saw last night, we are playing really freaking well. Um, (laughs) When we're not... I think, was it Virginia? I didn't even watch the game because I knew it was going to be terrible. Um, the Virginia game, we scored like what? Did we break 50 points? I don't even remember. Does anyone so, break 50 points when they play Virginia? This is true. So, I mean, this is all around 50. Breaking 60 is iffy. But 50 is doable. But I don't know if we broke 50 that game. I, I There's a lot of teams that have some consistency problems. There's, there's, there's quite a few. And you're right, when Carolina's on, they're on. But I think 
Carol, I think, and I've said this multiple times on this podcast, I think Carolina's biggest issue now and going forward is that Roy Williams' offense is outdated and predictable. And that's what I think is Carolina's biggest issue. I, I think his dumping into the low post, take three dribbles, turn around, spin move, and look for the backdoor cut <laughs> is, if I can see it, other Division One head coaches have to see it. Mm-hmm. So, is Roy Williams going to win Carolina another national championship? Unbiasedly. Uh, Unbiasedly, is Roy Williams going to be able to deliver a championship to North Carolina? I think he could. Um, I haven't been keeping up with college basketball as well since moving to the West Coast because... It is very East Coast dominant. So, hey, hey, UCLA is out there and Gonzaga's out there. Yeah. um, I don't watch UCLA and Gonzaga plays in what are they, Mountain West? Yeah, but they're still the best team in the country. It's true, but I still don't watch any of their games. Um, But yeah, but most people don't. I mean, college basketball, like we have your Blue Bloods, but they're. Not as dominant as they used to be. uh, I think the problem is the one-and-done rule. I hate the one-and-done rule, and I think it's killing college basketball. I'm really curious to see what, how it's going to play out going forward, where more players are like, oh, I can play overseas for a year or just go to the G League for a year and instead of going to college and then going pro. So I'm curious to see how this goes out, especially when then they decided they're going to, like, revamp the D League to the G League. Yeah. So, so I think we're in a weird transition. I think so too. I this was the I I, I can't take credit for this because I didn't look it up, but somebody told me, and I did look it up and, and fact check it. Carolina has only had six one and done players, like ever. Yeah. And when you think That's North true. Carolina, you would be like, they have a lot of talent that comes through there. But no, just six. Just six one and dones. I think Kentucky had a draft with six one and duns in it. So, uh, who's the? Does Carolina have a potential one and done on their roster this year that you think um, should leave after their freshman year? I don't feel strongly about any of the freshmen leaving early. I know they were talking about on um, Darren Sharp, the big guy. Yeah, but yeah, no. I was like, they all have really good rob I mean the thing about Carolina they they would like one and done players but they don't want to go play there yeah they like to play there they get they drink the juice and love campus and love college life because I mean they're gods on campus and yeah um I don't I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if someone left but I can't tell you someone was definitely leaving after this year so who's the player on Carolina's roster you're most excited to see play next year? Next year? Yeah. Is it Sharp? Um, if Sharp comes back, like he, that's got to be the answer, right? Sharp yeah. is the guy that... I mean, honestly, this whole freshman class, like if they all decide to come back, I'm going to be super excited for next year. They finally yeah, started cause... clicking, figuring out how to play, and it's been great. Yeah, because Carolina looked great this year. So, yeah, we're super excited <laughs> about the whole freshman class. Not. Um so, Carolina's in the ACC tournament. ACC tournament is going on right now. Who's the sleeper in the ACC tournament? Oh, is it Carolina? Is Carolina the sleeper? Um, 
if we keep playing the way we've been playing, then yes, because we're finally playing the way everyone thought we would in like December. It only just took us until March to figure it out. Well, you're wrong because Georgia Tech is the sleeper in this year's ACC tournament. You give me ACC Player of the Year in Moses Wright, ACC Defensive Player of the Year in Jose Alvarado, and they're a senior-led team with a dominant backcourt. Georgia oh, Tech. I was, the I was talking to my mom the other. She says hi, by the way. Um, Hello. <laughs> But uh, I was talking to my mom the other day because we're trying to figure out who the top seed, four seats were. She's like, who's the other one? I'm like, it's Georgia Tech. She's like, really? I'm like, no, it's Georgia Tech. And yeah, I was getting like flashback to seventh grade. This is how long I've known this man. To seventh grade, and he used to give me just so much crap about... Um, Bosch? Yeah, Chris Bosch, Jarrett Jack. Who else was on that team? Will Bynum, Ishmael Muhammad, yeah. Luke yeah, Shinsher. That team went to the national championship. I would just like yeah, throw that, that all was. out there. <laughs> I know. I just was getting like flashbacks to like the last time Georgia Tech was this good. First of all, we don't have to talk about it like it was that long ago. But it was. It was that long ago. It's been a while. We're getting close to being friends for 20 years. So I know. I'm old. I'm old. I realized this the other day. I am old. Yeah. I realized. I was like, how long have I known Dwayne? I'm like, what, like 2002, 2003? Yeah. Yeah, because that would have been sixth grade, somewhere around there. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy stuff. Long time. So, who is your favorite Tar Heel of all time? Oh, my God. Um, I th- can I, so, I, when I when I wrote this question down to ask you, I have in parentheses what I think your answer is going to be. And I'm going to tell you if I was right. Okay. I mean, that 9 team has a special place in my heart, so I would have to say... Tyler Hansborough, which is pretty predictable. Um, but also, I really love Tyler Zeller. <laughs> what? Okay, so first of all, in parentheses, I had Tyler Hansborough. But Tyler Zeller is your second favorite Tar Heel of all time. Not Michael Jordan, not James Worthy, not Rashad McCants, who was on that 09 team, not Roly Poly, Raymond Felton, not. No. Tyler no. Zeller is our. I mean, I mean, Kobe White had cool hair. I could see if you were like, yeah, Kobe White. No. I have to ask you, try to get me to narrow down. And when I would, like, everyone's answer would be Michael Jordan. But I didn't see him play in college personally. The ceiling is the roof. I mean, the ceiling is the roof. (laughs) But, no, I also really love Kobe White. Me and my roommate were trying to go to the – Clippers Bulls game last year because it was close to my birthday and then COVID happened so we're really sad about that Um, no I'm just like the whole time because me and Tyler Zeller overlapped what three years in college so I just really loved watching him play and he was really consistent 99% of the time Um, (laughs) I'm going to tell you what so I predicted. I predicted. I love the big guys. So I predicted Hansborough, but again, when I was looking things up and like fact checking and, and doing research, which I, I think I did more research. I do more research for this podcast than I did in college. Um, uh, uh, I mean, I was. I never study. I didn't study in middle school. I didn't study in high school. I didn't study in college. Um, <laughs> All of my students that listen to this podcast study. <laughs> I'm not do not fo- do as I say, not as I do. Um, but 
So the fascinating fact about Hansborough that I didn't know, I guess because I'm not a Carolina fan, he was 4-0 at Cameron? Yes. That's... The whole class. 4-0. It was great. That's got to be that's got to be like every Carolina fan's favorite Tyler Hansborough stat. Is he was 4-0. So, oh, yeah. We, we still refer to occasionally as uh, Hansborough Indoor Stadium. So, Oh, my yeah. gosh. See, too much. Too much. So which which coach is at the University of Noncompliance? I mean University of North Carolina longer. Um Roy Williams or Mac Brown? Do I actually know that it has to be Roy? I mean if we count his assistant coach years too. No, no, no. Which one is going to be there longer? Like into oh, the future. Going to be there longer. Sorry. Like, Did not I was like, what kind of question is that? Like which one is gonna oh. leave which one is gonna leave first? Um, oh. Because I think if Carolina doesn't become dominant in basketball in the next few years, and the football team continues to outperform the basketball team, I think Roy Williams is going to have some problems. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to say, I think it might be Mac Brown, but we'll see. Mm. But he has to, I mean, I'm sure both of these coaches are working on, like, trying to figure out who's going to follow them so whoever figures that out first i think both of them are in like both of them are like competing against one another to not have to use a walker while coaching i think that's that's the competition between the two i really think so i was about to say is i think both of those men will just like keep coaching until like someone really has to force them to stop i'm gonna tell you i think it's gonna be roy williams because he yells more i don't think i've ever seen even when he was at texas i don't think i've ever seen mac brown yell (laughs) <laughs> ever he's like the calmest dude I, and and I, um, I think i've yelled at players more as a coach and i haven't coached nearly as long as mac brown has <laughs> dude never yells ever ever he's pretty chill yeah he's great so who you think's gonna win the ncaa tournament right now on the spot you got to pick one without the bracket even being out <laughs> who's winning the ncaa tournament and why is it <laughs> why is it going to be that team um, good lord, I really. The only right, like, the only right answer people, is Michigan. The only right answer is probably Gonzaga at this Wrong. point. That's not true. So you're incorrect. Uh, you said it yourself. <laughs> Gonzaga plays in the Mountain West Technical College Technical Community yeah. College right. Conference. So uh, I haven't seen most teams play this year, which I, is crazy. No, see, I have. I have a problem. Um. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's for you. I'm working half the time, or like I get home and like a game's halfway over. Well, that's because you're on the west coast. That's the problem. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's definitely going to be interesting this year's tournament, especially without the travel. Everybody's right there in Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. so it's gonna be fun to watch. But I do have that. So I I have a debate coming up with someone on a future episode of this podcast. All right, and that's where this question is coming from. So you're a gymnast. You've been doing gymnastics, like, as long as I've known you. Um, And on a future episode of this podcast, I'm debating with somebody else. um, And I'm trying to drop in, like, little teasers, but not going to tell you who it is um, for those watching and those listening. We're having a debate over greatest athlete of all time. My, my dad is in the comments just said Georgia Tech's going to win the national championship they're going to beat Gonzaga at the buzzer 
Okay, that would be. Oh, I would go nuts. I think you would have no choice. You would probably hear me yelling. Like, yeah, I know. At where you live, over there in California, I would be going absolutely bananas. My dad is Jose Alvarado's biggest fan. My my dad started Jose Alvarado's fan club um, <laughs> years ago. Like, my dad started this while Alvarado was still in high school. Like, it was a big thing. Yeah. Um, although I could say the same thing about me and Moses Wright. I think I'm Moses Wright's biggest fan. So, I, I love Moses Wright. I think Moses Wright should get more consideration but in, in an NBA mock drafts, but he's not. But anyway... Back to my greatest athlete um, of all time debate that I'm going to have. So we were going back and forth, me and him, about who, you know, who was I going to say it was? Who was he going to say it was? We wanted to make sure we didn't have the same answer. And we were listing off people that should be in consideration. And so Simone Biles' name came up. And so, like, as a gymnast yourself, Mm -hmm. explain to podcast my podcast listeners, why Simone Biles should be considered the greatest athlete of all time. She's ridiculous. Um, Her difficulty for her routines are so high above the rest of the competition. I think there was one meet. She fell, I don't know if it was one or two times, and she still beat everyone by like four points because that's just how good she is. How How many medals has Simone Biles won? Oh, I don't even does she remember. Have more, Michael Phelps point. has. Does she, she have more Michael Phelps? Because my, she... da- my dad is a firm believer. So my dad, who also is in the comments, uh, I've told <laughs> he and I have had this debate. He says it should be an Olympian. Every time I say who's the greatest athlete of all time, he's like, it's got to be an Olympic athlete. I mean, when you when I saw the question, I was like, honestly, it's probably Serena Williams. Let's be real here. But I also love Simone. <laughs> Whoa, 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 Okay, what? hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. My dad, for, my dad again, just confirmed what I said. He said Jesse Owens and Michael Phelps, 1A and 1B. Um, you, Serena Williams is the greatest athlete of all time. Athlete. I didn't say greatest winner, because she's probably the greatest winner of all time. But you think she's the greatest athlete. So you think Serena Williams is a better athlete than LeBron James, who is in L.A. where you currently are. And... Have you ever known me to be a LeBron James fan? No, I haven't. But I'm just saying, <laughs> you think Serena Williams is a better athlete than... How, how are you basing greatest athlete of all time? Are you basing just, like, athletic performance and, like, athletic. physical ability or ability to oh. also win? All, all of the above. All of the above. So I wouldn't... Why wouldn't it be Serena? But what have we seen Serena do outside of tennis? Like, someone Okay, Biles, so you're basing a more athletic ability then. That would be what makes up an athlete. Yes. But how... Okay, whatever. <laughs> so you think Serena Williams is the greatest athlete of all time? Like, I may just bring you in on that day, that we that on that podcast episode, when no, I can get it scheduled. No, I just like... To have you argue why it's Serena Williams. Do you want them to be able to cross over into another sport? Because if you want to... I think Serena Williams is... good at one sport. I think Serena Serena Williams is the greatest winner of all time. Okay. And then Michael Jordan is right behind her as far as winning. And then Tom Brady. And I don't like Tom Brady. But as far as winning goes... I don't know. 
now I gotta go look up why Serena Williams because it's gonna bother me all day. I'm gonna be like, oh man, did I overlook like Serena Williams? Did I overlook you Serena Williams? More specific debate? about your requirements of greatest athlete of all time, though, for future reference. No, I don't need to clarify. Greatest athlete of all time. What pops into your head? The first thing that popped. In, so you think Serena Williams is a better athlete than Simone Biles? That's what you think. I don't think they're better. We're two different sports. Well, I mean, that's, uh, so who, now I got to go look up. Now, thank you. I was hoping that I would have something else to do later today. And that is now I have to go look up why Serena Williams should be considered the greatest athlete of all time. Again, I had her considered uh, as the greatest winner, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But yes, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, even though you are what four hours in the past. So I'm I'm four hours into the future from you. I can tell you that the the next four hours, yeah, I can tell you the next four hours, uh, nothing really major happens. So it'll be all right. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, I'm gonna have you back on, uh, probably like just to get your reaction to Carolina getting bounced in the first round by Loyola Chicago. So, um, it's gonna be fun stuff. But I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. It was fun. Blast no from the past. Problem. This was, this, guys, for everyone that's watching or listening, this is literally what it was like in middle school. We would just All the time. argue sports with each other, and then she would concede that I was right. Yeah. And then in high school, it was like. In high school, it was worse because I was more was knowledgeable. Because we added a state fan and a Duke fan into it. Gross. State, yeah. State and. Those I are good lunches. State and. I mean, does state really get. Appalachian State deserves more recognition as the runner of North Carolina that NC State does. Yeah, but like Brad was just a really big state fan. And, so and he was there all the time. I would like to point out that the last time our two schools played one another, App put a beat down on North Carolina and it was in Chapel Hill. That was that was a that was a time. It was fantastic, and Sam Howell was there, so you can't even say that it was it was without him because we beat that guy. So, booyah! <laughs> Appalachian State runs this state, and sure. they're in the tournament. They're in the tournament this year. So yeah, yeah. There's going to be more non-ACC teams from North Carolina in the tournament than ACC, ACC teams because UNCG is also in there. Yep. And then is there you... another one? I think, uh, no, A&T. A&T's in there. A&T? Yep. Nice. Yeah. Should be fun. So, it'll be fun. Yep. But thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, No problem. I will definitely have you back on uh, later. We'll we'll probably talk uh, sports and this debate was fun. I mean, now, again, I'm going to go look up why Serena Williams deserves it and then you'll probably, after that episode... You'll tell me that I'm right, and I will tell all the listeners that you told me I was right, whether you tell me that I was right or not. So, there's that. I mean, you always think you're right, so I, what else is new? I can't help it. I can't help it. I th- Listen, I don't always think I was, I'm was. i right. I, I 90% of the time you think I've you're right. I've never been... I've been wrong before. I was wrong one time in my life, and it's when I thought I was wrong about something, and I ended up being right. So... Yeah. It is what it is. Well, all right, y'all, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to get all of my 
uh, followers, all of those that uh, listen to the podcast, go follow her on Twitter. Um, she doesn't really talk about anything but Carolina basketball, though. So, yeah. So follow Drone Risk. Yeah, follow follow. If you're any Duke I, I fans listening, bring people in my bio, like it, it, yeah, any Duke fans listening, you're not gonna want to make that follow. But Ariel, again, <laughs> thank you for coming on, and I will talk to you later. All right. All right. Bye. Nice you bye. too. Bye. So yeah. That was fun. She knew again. I've been this way since middle school, so that's that's fun stuff. That's fun stuff. Um. Anyway, your homework for tonight. I kind of touched on it in the interview with Ariel. Is to go look up Georgia Tech's basketball team. <laughs> again, ACC Player of the Year, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. They've gotten hot at the right time going into the tournament. Had the double buy in the ACC tournament. They had the lead against Virginia. Twice with single-digit minutes to go, and they just lost it. But and they've beaten FSU, the two teams that teams that people seem to believe are the two best teams in the ACC. So that has happened. Go check them out. As for sports school, class is over, and I will see you guys next week. Coach Davidson or Coach Dwayne is out.